This is Beth Bruno, and you're listening to the Fierce and Lovely Podcast. If you're looking for the voices of strong women with tender hearts who are engaging issues that impact us all, but especially young women, this new series is for you. When COVID started, I paused the podcast and started a monthly membership community for women raising tween and teen girls. Each month we entered into our own stories and our daughter's glory through a relevant topic teen space. I interviewed experts and released them in this private group, and now you get to hear them too. Stay tuned for a lineup of wise thought leaders. I can't wait. Well, let's start, Claire. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I am a a grandma um, to five and uh, a mother to four and a, uh, a pastor to a congregation uh, in Michigan and, uh, and serve in my avocation and works uh, of human trafficking um, advocacy and, um, and as a, uh, the chair of the board of the Michigan Human Trafficking Task Force. Mm-hmm. Also serve on advisory boards for sexual assault um, and diversity roundtables. So in a time like this, it's a, you know, feels like a full plate for all of us. Um, and all of those parts of my life matter very deeply and come from the, the center of my soul, uh, in wanting to be a person who connects and, um, and helps people navigate the journey. Hmm. That is a full plate. <laughs> uh, I, I had forgotten your role on the Human Trafficking Task Force in Michigan. I heard yesterday that some some legislation was just passed. Some funding has been released, and Michigan will be one of the recipient states. Yes, may it be so. May it be so. You know, these are the you know, these are the great hopes that in times like this, we're very aware of people who've already been in the shadows. They've been forgotten, you know, when all of us are living in times where we feel forgotten or obscure, right? To have that ability to say, uh, there are people that have been living in the shadows um, long before we ever experienced this kind of separation and uh, feeling unseen. And so for people to reach out, I'm sorry, we didn't plan to go off on this subject, but uh, but to see people reach out in these times for those who have been enduring this kind of hard living for much longer than we have in these Corona days and protest days. I'm very grateful to hear that people are seeing um, what maybe they haven't seen before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's timely for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, Yes, we didn't plan to talk about that because, and it's just one of many things that you have so much to share with us about. But I wanted to really focus on your work around the Enneagram. And just let's start with if you could kind of speak to the, the topic of personality, big picture. I mean, we, even this morning, my daughter was saying, Mom, ask her this, ask her how the love languages and Enneagram connect. And I think we know of so many different kinds of tests and personality types of frameworks. 
I'd love to hear you explain how those, how we should think rightly about how those all work together. Yeah. Yeah. So I love the line, all models are wrong, but some are useful. Right. <laughs> and so I, I would prefer to say it this way. All models are incomplete, but some really help us to see mm. what we couldn't see. Mm. And so when you think about personality models like Myers-Briggs or love languages or DISC or strength finders or, you know, all of those things, we say they can give us a little bit of a glimpse, a lens uh, into what we do, right? And um, the Enneagram is a little bit different. It deals with the motivation of why we do what we do. And, and maybe we could even say it this way, you know, we're about a third nature. God did it, right? God, before the foundations of the world, um, spoke our names forth is what the book of Ephesians says. We are an eclectos, the spoken forth word of God. Mm. And God looking at the world right now said, I want this person here in this time and season, and I need this person here. So God did it. Mm -hmm. And then maybe we're about a third nature. Um, moms and dads did it, or the primary <laughs> caregiver. Like, however we were raised, I'm the youngest of six in an Italian family that sang and ate and, you know, all of that good stuff. So I, I am the product of nurture, and, and that is um, very true of me. I am an Italian-American. And, and that's a part of me that is true. Mm -hmm. um, and, and then there's a part of it that is free will. What am I going to do with my nature? What God gave me? What am I going to do with the nurture? What happened to me in my house and my growing up years? And, and how will I choose to live in this world? And the Enneagram does a beautiful job of um, giving that as uh, the framework that that nature really is our essence, our imago Dei, made in God's image, and every one of us reflecting the image of God. And then, you know, this beauty of, well, let's just say the glory and the grime of being raised in the homes we've been raised in, because there are no perfect parents. There are no perfect moms, right? Um, my friend Shar, who's a psychotherapist, always says, you just need a good enough parent, Right. And so all the moms let go of our perfectionism, right? And, uh, and then um, free will, that we're really giving a place for our kids and kids to have a place to choose well. And when they don't choose well, a place to be held and loved and forgiven and received back home. Mm, that is, I want moms to hear that mm. again, um, to just lighten up. I think we can be, we can be way too intense, but to create a good enough home and say that last part one more time to create a place where they can, what did yeah, you just say? Right. When, when, when there have been failures or sins that they can come back home and be received and loved. Um, you know, my dad said something really cool when he was about 91 and I, he, he told me, you're an angel. And I said, oh, dad, you forget everything I did when I was a teenager, you know, because I was a bit of a challenge as a teenager. And, uh, and my dad, I said, dad, I was bad as a teenager. He said, oh, no, those were only exercises. Hmm. And I always felt that way with my dad, that when I failed, 
he, he really saw it as a, there's an old saint named St. Ignatius, and it's called the spiritual exercises. And as we're trying to find our way, we're going to miss the way. And we fall and we come back to God. We come back to the loving ones in our, in our lives, hopefully moms that can be those loving people, right? That say, you were trying to do this and that was an exercise in futility. It was not helpful. That was an exercise that led you places you, you know, really didn't want to go. Um, but I see who you are. I see the Imago Dei. I see who God made you to be. I see the beauty of that. And you just come right back here. I receive all of you, the glory and the grime. Hmm. And when we have a safe place to be both the Imago Day and that fallen person, um, and we're not defined by what we've done, right? Mm -hmm. uh, we're not defined by personality, but we're defined by essence, our God-givenness. Oh gosh, we can, we can keep becoming ourselves. Mm -hmm. I've been telling moms lately that what, the way that we discover more of our girls' glory is we look at, you know, we look at what we see and we need to see it through the lens of immaturity. But that when that becomes mature, you know, we're going to see their full, the fullness of really who God created them to be, mm -hmm. um, that we're seeing elements of it now and it just looks really immature, yeah. but it's their glory, it's hints and clues to their glory, to their Imago Dei. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe we could even dial it back also. So in the beginning, I love what uh, John Wesley says, by salvation, I mean not according to the vulgar notion of deliverance from hell or going to heaven, but the present deliverance from sin and a restoration of the soul to its primitive health, right? To its original purity, a recovery of the divine nature. And so there's more to that quote, but I love this because in each of my little ones, whether they were my children or my grandchildren, you see that Imago Dei in them in the very beginning, either their brilliant intellect, the curiosity of, you know, just discovering the world or the sweet, unconditional love that even after they were mad at you, they're smooching your face and, and they're back in your arms, right? Or their gut instincts where they just have this body um, energy to go and do and experience and, and be brave and, you know, and all of that. So I think, yes, we begin pure, right? We, we are going through the time of developing personality where we wonder if we're seen or wanted or liked or, uh, you know, okay or safe or whatever it is. And then in that immature place, we're actually returning back to that Imago Dei, that, that divine purity, that, you know, that image of God in us that may have just had some cracks and bumps and bruises that, you know, made us that flaming 14-year-old that I said to my dad, I was bad, but he could keep seeing me, mm -hmm. right? Yes. And not my behavior. Yes. And that's one of, I think, the greatest challenges of parents, of teens, is to keep seeing, right, see beneath and beyond the behavior. Yes. Well, Claire, let's go a little bit more specifically into the Enneagram. And caveat, like you just wrote a whole book about it, there's a ton to say 
And so I don't want you to have to go through a description of all the different numbers and the history. Like that's, I realize that's too much for this conversation. But if you could give us a nugget of the Enneagram, and I'd really like to talk a little bit about age of discovery, like when we could start really seeing um, some of that in our kids and our daughters, and, and then talk a little bit about why that could be really beneficial in a mothering daughter daughter relationship, how that could really be helpful to, to build our relationship if we understood the Enneagram a little bit more. Mm. Well, so, you know, you have a variety of opinions on when you should even look at the Enneagram with your children, right? And so I love that. I love that there's a variety of opinions because that means then we get to listen to the Holy Spirit ourselves around what the invitation is for us and our daughter. And uh, so let me just take you to my, um, my granddaughter, Adriana, who I believe is a four on the Enneagram. She is the dramatic, unique, artistic, fully emotive uh, child. And from the time she was little, when I arrived, she went wild grandma's here and she would hug my legs and just I felt like oh my gosh I'm the most special and she's the most special it was beautiful connection and when I would leave she'd say don't go please don't go you know and uh, and so I, I saw that as very unique I didn't have a child that was a four uh, and and so we won't get into that right now but but what I said to my son is please don't ever tell her she's too dramatic which is for the Enneagram style for many times what they've heard is that they're a drama queen, they're too much, their emotions are too much, they need to dry their eyes and, you know, and look at this logically. But part of the inherent glory of the four is they show us the drama of God. Yeah like God in sunsets that blaze and thunder that crashes and, and waves that, you know, can pull us off our feet and the kind of drama and, and uh, this creative nature of God. So I think there are little hints. I'll give you another little hint. So I have a, um, a two-year-old grandson named Ford. And from the time he was little, his mother would, you know, she'd nurse him and, and, as soon as he was done nursing, he was ready for his crib. And she wanted to rock a little longer. And he did not want to rock a little longer. And so she put him in his crib and we'd watch him on TV. His name is Ford. We called it Ford TV. And Ford would just be talking to himself, looking around the room. At his one-year-old birthday, he did not smash the cake. He observed it. He took in all the sights, the sounds, then he felt safe enough to touch the texture. And then he looked at it and he observed his finger all the way around taking a look at this. Now I could give you lots of stories about Ford right now, only at two, where I see him as the five, the observer, a head type that is so very interested. We'll watch planes take off and land um, on the little YouTube show for like, an hour. He's just mesmerizing. Wheels, wheels, motor, motor, up, you know, and, and it's, and I, you know, that I didn't have a five child. So it's fascinating to me to see a child that comes mostly from their intellect and taking in the world. And then Adriana very differently takes the world in through her heart. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And then last but not least, let me give you one more example. Kirsten, who is four right now, uh, she says things like, you're not the boss of me. You know, and she, where did she ever hear that? But she is very autonomous. And she's very like her body. She is a body type. And so we have, I talked to you about a heart type with Adriana, a head type with Ford and a heart type with our care. I mean, a, a body type with Kirsten, who, when she comes in the room, you feel her presence. She stomps in. She's this great presence. She's strong. She is a director. She's going to tell you where to put the peanut butter and where to put the jelly. I want to make the eggs with you, you know? And so she's got this beautifully strong personality and all three of them have all three centers. We all have a head, a heart and a gut, but we do lead with one of them. And, and, and so display the glory of God in one of, as the Enneagram would say, nine ways. And then if you got really crazy, we'd say 27 subtypes, but we won't go there today. <laughs> um, it's, it makes me think of the Parker, Parker Palmer quote about our lives lay down clues since the beginning, the selfhood and vocation, that even at age one, Ford was laying down clues. And yet, like, they're still developing the whole thirds. So nature still has a long way to, or nurture has a long way to actually influence their development and, and their free will. So, so moms of tween girls, um, I'm sure. So I have two, I have three kids, but I have two girls and the older one has been easy to read. She's like Ford. I've been reading her clues since she was one. My 14-year-old younger daughter is, has been an enigma. It's been really challenging for me to read her. Um, and even now at 14, I'm not sure I could type her. I, I don't even, I'm not clear even. So what would be some ways that, that moms could, could really be studying, like training themselves, ourselves, to have a better lens to study the clues that our children are giving us. Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh, it sure does. Um, and so when, uh, when I start my training, so I certify professionals in the Enneagram. Uh, can you hear me? Cause it looks like, yeah. it's yes. is it okay? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and so I'll say to people, what do you notice when you came in the, what did you notice when you came in the room this morning? Some people will say, oh, I noticed the way this furniture was set up and, you know, and, and I was going to decide where to sit and I was definitely going to sit uh, where I could see everything in the back and maybe close to the exit. That's interesting. So I say, oh, So it seems like the IQ is in the lead when they come into a room, like they're taking in the information, they're looking at what's safe, both for themselves, right? Can I get out of here? Where can I be where I can take in and observe the room? Other people say, oh, I noticed that person right over there and they look so interesting or so fun or, oh my gosh, I just want to connect with them. I want to know what they want to, you know, I want to know them, right? So I say, oh, so maybe a heart person, maybe a person that wants to connect. 
Um, and then, you know, a gut person, they're, they come into the room and they're like, um, how am I? Right? How am I, how am I now? How am I now with what's happening in here? Because I feel instinctually like good, bad, right, wrong, right? Uh, uh, you know, just or unjust. They're taking it in through this filter of body instincts. The hair on the back of my neck just went, you know, my stomach just flipped when I came in this morning, right? And so, so you can see that, um, so there are three types within each of those instincts. Your intellectual uh, types, your emotional types or your heart affection types, and your gut instinct types. Mm. And so there are three types within each of those three instincts. And, you know, I never walk into the room and look for the exit. I am always looking for people. I'm a heart type, right? Mm -hmm. And that's just, that is my, that is my, you know, that is my MO. It's my automatic response. Now, does that mean I don't have an IQ and I don't have gut instincts? No, but one comes online first. Mm. So getting to know that, and then there are kind of three different ways for each of those instincts to take in either, you know, the, the intellect, the heart affections, or the gut instincts. And so you can just keep dropping the plow. So I would ask questions like, what, what was the first thing you noticed when we came in today? Hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And let them tell the story. And then you'll notice what's coming online. Is it thinking? Am I safe and secure? Is it feeling? Do we have connection and approval and affection here? Or who's got the power and control in the room? And do I have any power and control in the room? Mm -hmm. So yeah, little hints. That is fascinating. And that's so concrete. That's really helpful, actually, because those are that's, that's kind of the new lens, the framework that I think would be helpful for us to begin to to study our kids, um, and ourselves. Like Mm -hmm. I'm thinking through how would I, how would I feel walking into a room? So there's a lot of moms who Enneagram might be brand new to them and they don't know their type yet at all. Um, so this might feel a little obscure right now, but let's just, we'll just let those moms go and learn a little bit more um, and come back. And I would love for them, for you to help, help explain how this would really help a parenting relationship. Like when I know I'm an Enneagram one and my oldest daughter is a three and we're working on college applications and scholarship essays right now and she's performing really well and it's, it's a delight to my perfection mostly except that when she wants approval for every single one of those essays and I immediately see all the errors we're having, you know, I'm like, I can see how helpful it is for me to interact with her understanding what's Mm -hmm. at work for her as an Enneagram three and what's going on for me as an Enneagram one, just as an example. But can you kind of further develop that and, and talk a little bit more about, yeah, like how this would really help a mother daughter relationship? Oh my goodness. Yes. Because, um, you know, the best thing we can bring to our parenting is our own attentive, aware selves, right? If we are practicing self-awareness, 
um, what we realize is where our attention goes, our energy will follow. So if I'm doing my own good soul work, then when I show up for my daughter, Sarah, who's 39, um, and, you know, and she's a mom of, you know, two boys and uh, a tween and a teen. And when I show up and I'm paying attention to my own um, need to image manage as a three, like make sure that it's all going to be all right. Like everything's going to look good. Everything is going to be, you know, right. So um, when I'm aware of that and that she's a two and that her dynamics are that she wants to help everybody and that if she is not self-aware, she's not, she doesn't have good boundaries and she's not practicing self-care for herself. So, you know, our two false self images could just collide. You, I love what you did. Just this collision. If I'm aware of my awareness, I can bring intention to that attention. Hmm. And I can say, okay, Claire, take a step back. You don't need to make this look good. You don't need to make this, you, you don't, you don't need to manage this. You don't need to make this, uh, be successful. You need to take a breath, pay attention to your own frenetic quality right now and breathe hmm. and then come and be curious and ask questions like, what's it like to be you right now, honey? Tell me about that. And not assume that I know just because I know she's a two, because that, that's unhelpful for me to do as well. Right. So I can say, I know you're two, you have no good boundaries right now. Exactly. And you need to, you need to practice self-care. You need to go get your toenails done and then go, you know, whatever. Not that I think toenails are the answer, but if you know a two, you know that twos, they aren't naturally taking care of themselves, but they are taking care of everybody else. Mm -hmm. But if I go in and I say, what's it like to be you right now? I totally lower my own RPMs, my own desire to go in and make it work. And I let her open up to what her truth is. And it might take a while for her to even say what it's like to be her right now. She might be able to tell me what it's like to be her, you know, her 15 year old right now. She might be able to tell me what it's like to be her 10 year old right now, but she, she might need a few minutes to see her own soul's condition. And if I asked an open-ended question like that, then I can begin, you know, I can be curious, I can listen. And then if I let go of my need to fix, advise, all of those kind of dynamics that just come inherently in mothers, not just ones, right? But that, you know, I, I don't need to reform her. I don't need to fix her as a one. I don't need to make it good, make it right. I don't need to get my red pen out. But I just want to, with a non-judgmental presence, say, what is it like to be you right now? Mm -hmm. And give her the time to answer that. And for a three, it's going to take her a minute as well because she is so externally focused that to know her own inner terrain is going to take a minute. Hmm. And you know, that regular open-ended question for her to wonder, right. And even get to make mistakes and wondering and to find her way to the truth in that way. Hmm. 
And then with that, then you can just say, you know, and so after what's it like to be you and just say, and how can I be present to you now in a way that feels good for your soul mm-hmm. or supportive for your soul? And then she might even say, could you do the grammar corrections for me? Because I know that when I'm speeding and getting my stuff down, I, you know, I, I know I didn't cross every T and dot every I. Could you help me with that? And then it's not in uh, your inner critic, which can be very loud as a one, right? Um, then her feeling that, that she's being criticized. And so, you know, this kind of thing, but then even the invitation, might come. Hmm. That sounds very big of her. It's, it's big mm-hmm. of her to ask me to do that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Because she gets that so readily. Mm-hmm. Too much, too readily, right? Mm-hmm. I love the open-ended question, though. I mean, if we, I feel like that would be, that's some of the best parenting advice if we just had more open-ended questions for our kids. Those are the kinds of things that, that instill in them adulting, independence, coming to their own good conclusion and decisions, right? All open-ended questions. Mm-hmm. So I love that. What's it like to be you right now? Yeah, and that could be paralyzing for a five. Like, I think, I think this is what it's like to be me right now, right? So even then saying to someone that comes from a headspace, like a five, the wise person, the observer, say, what would be, what would be a way I could ask that question that would feel more uh, like something you would want to answer? So, oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. I think I'm thinking my youngest is a five. Um, and I, yeah, I've tried, I've been playing around with ways of asking her some of that and she still doesn't even know how to answer that last one. What would be a way that you would like to be pursued or you would like to be asked? She still doesn't know the answer to that, which, but I'm still trying, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're still training too, right? This is, if nobody told us when you train up a child in the way they should go really meant you're going to be in training right? That this, this, this kind of parenting uh, and learning them. And I, you know, fives, if we can give them a bit of time to research, to discover what the best question is for them, mm-hmm. they will come back with a brilliant question, mm-hmm. right? That really taps in to how they'd like to be in relationship with mm-hmm. us. Yes. Well, Claire, one, one more question for, for our time, your time. Um, I love that your approach to the Enneagram is so informed by spiritual formation and the, the harmony triads, the, that it really, an understanding of that way of thinking about the Enneagram leads to spiritual maturity and, and growth. Um, can you speak to that briefly in terms, again, of you know, us as, as moms, even just helping our teen girls grow and develop spiritually, which is a desire we all have. Um, I think many of us might say that that church and youth group feels a little anemic mm-hmm. at times for mm-hmm. our teens. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe even boring, if I'm honest. Mm-hmm. I, I love that 
this is not like understanding the Enneagram through this lens is not just self-awareness and self-help, but it's really discovering more of God as we discover more of us. Yeah. Um, can you just speak to that a little bit about spiritual growth through this understanding of the harmony triad? Absolutely. And, you know, kind of in short, in short form. So yeah. So the, the big book, right. Yes. With the spiritual formation really came from the two small books and okay. So this small book, like that's how small it is. Yes. One of our youth group leaders who is a teacher at the school took it and did this with his, uh, with his, with his students because he, um, he felt like if they could understand their inherent glory in short form, they might be willing to go on a journey to do the deeper dive of allowing themselves to be conformed into the image of Christ uh, with their head, their heart and their gut. But to name the inherent glory right off the bat, that's what Nelson Mandela says, you know, human beings can't bear the burden of their own inherent greatness Mm-hmm. So to give um, young people, you, you have an inherent greatness that has been given to you by God. And there's nine names for it. The good person, the loving person, the effective person, the original person, the wise person, the, the faithful person, the, the, the joyful person, the powerful person, and the peaceful person. And you exemplify God in one of those ways. And so if you could get to know the inner terrain of your soul, you will never be bored. If you could get to know this inner terrain that God has created you in God's own likeness, to have this brilliant intellect, this wonderful heart that can connect and love God and love, you know, love human beings as you love yourself and this great ability to go and do the gospel in whatever way and whatever call, vocation, avocation, job you're called to. I mean, then we're on a journey, then we're on an exciting journey that this person as the temple for God's own spirit is, is here to practice medicine or to, you know, to, to, to justify the bottom line and, you know, and, or to speak or to write or to create. And when you think, um, when you think about it in that, uh, in those terms, um, I would just say there are short ways to do it. So we actually even have in this little book, we have nine little paragraphs that people can, in a narrative way, discover their, their own type. And then there are short little practices like how I can open to God in a way that God created me to open. Not, not as a person who wants to go and do sitting in a Bible study for two hours you know, feeling like a life sentence and I can't get out of here, right? Or those people that go out and want to feed people at the soup kitchen. I, you know, no, I want to write about what needs to be done in the world. And so if we can actually connect with young people with their inherent greatness, um, we'll see them be fully alive and and able to show forth the glory of God. I love that. Had goosebumps. That, yes, yes, yes. Amen. I Amen. love that. Can, you know, I have both of those, but I received the smaller one through, a, through an actual workshop. Is that available to people without attending a workshop? Oh, yeah. They're on Amazon. All three books are on Amazon. And okay. so the white book that's Enneagram Personality Styles is book one. 
And that's the one that one of our youth group workers taught his kids in, in school as a teacher and felt like before they choose their job, he wanted them to know how God had made them in their inherent greatness. So important. I've, I mean, it's so important even before then. I'm seeing that with my oldest in terms of college and, and where and what. Like She's coming into those decisions with a good understanding of who she is. And that's been huge. Yeah. Because a year and a half ago, she would have been on a completely different journey of college searching, but mm-hmm. she understands so much more of herself now. Um, yeah. So there's so much more. I know, Claire, I mean, there's just so much. I would love to, to spend more time with you, but thank you. I appreciate you joining us today and sharing with us all of this wisdom. You're welcome, and thank you for the work you're doing, uh, creating fierce and lovely spaces for people to discover themselves. And, and I love your passion for, uh, for, for young people to help them keep becoming who God created them to be. Yes, thank you. Thanks for listening today. If you're curious about something you heard, check the show notes for links to learn more. And perhaps you'd like to check out one of the Fierce and Lovely mini courses for a deep dive into a particular parenting topic. That link is in the notes too. Fierce and Lovely is a proud partner of the Restore Universe, where like-minded practitioners and programs are all infused with the Restory approach. Curious? Check us out at RestoryUniverse.com.